Mansell with HJ Sports, and today we're going to go over our new sites within the Tetra line for 2022. So new for 2022, we actually came out with a new way to mount your scope housing to the infinite adjust bracket. No longer do you have to worry about your vertical adjustments uh, intertwining with the second axis adjustments. So as you'll see on the scope housing, uh, there's actually an additional brick. You can either mount that to the inside of the riser or to the outside of the riser. We recommend that for most traditional bows, you mount that to the inside of the riser and for any sort of sight that you're gonna mount in line with the bow to use the outside. Just flip that around um, and mount it to the outside of the riser. So within each of the product categories, we have the Tetra Max, the Tetra, and then the Tetra LT. As always, our Tetra line of sights come in four different scope housing size options, an inch and three eighths, an inch and five eighths, an inch and three quarters, and then also our four pin housing, which is an inch and three quarters. We also offer a 10 thousandths pin and a 19 thousandths pin for both single pin and four pin options. On the Tetra itself, we once again have micro adjustments as well as your macro gain adjustments for left and right. For your vertical adjustments on your Tetra bow sight, you'll want to use the screw right here on the infinite adjust rail and the screw below that. You'll just loosen those and slide it up and down. Another key feature on the 2022 Tetra bow sight is the integrated scope ring that has a built-in level. Another key feature on the 2022 Tetra site is the ability to take a 2500 blue burst light. This is an added on accessory, but you can actually put that on there to add light to your pin or to reduce light. With that, we also have mechanical rheostat, which is an exclusive feature to HHA on the Tetra line. You'll be able to turn in the rheostat if you want to dim the light, and then you'll also be able to turn it out if you want to let more light in. Also on our 2022 Tetra line bow sights, the Tetra comes in either a fixed frame, our Hunter Edition frame, or it comes on a four to eight inch adjustable dovetail. All HHA products are 100% made and sourced in the USA, and they carry a 100% lifetime warranty. For any more questions, please visit our website at www.hjsports.com. Hello, we're at the ATA show at uh, Veteran Innovative Products, uh, an all-American made and manufactured broadhead. So we've got a new one for 2020 called the Combat Veteran 4-Blade. As you can see, 4-Blades got a lot of the same high-quality materials we used with our original 2-Blade Veteran, but the Combat Veteran has a different deployment system. How it deploys is you just squeeze a little bit on your main blades, okay, those compress, and then the broadhead opens. It still has our momentum management compressible blade technology. So the the cutting diameter is inch and a quarter by two inches on this when deployed. Uh, in flight, it's one inch by inch and a quarter. Another feature we added this year with these heads uh, is that you can exchange the bone breaching field point tip with a 125 grain setup if you would like. So swap the tip out, get you 125 grains instead of 100, which is big with those Western hunters. And then it's really simple to lock back in place, roll those blades up, and then it's a click and another click on the other side. It's completely set in, will not prematurely deploy, will not rattle free, solid containment, 100% deployment every time. So we've made a lot of good adjustments and refinements to it to make sure that it's guaranteed to deploy every single time. So that's what's new for VIP this year. 
Welcome back, guys. This podcast is brought to you by RPG Coffee Company, a veteran-owned and operated socially responsible coffee company born to support members of the military, law enforcement, and firefighting communities by donating 50% of their profits. The true secret to living is giving. And don't forget to join the RPG Coffee Club today. Don't wait until you run out. Stay ready to rock by having RPG Coffee delivered straight to your door each month with our coffee club. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Bucks of America podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Vance. And uh, today I have the this this legend killer here. He's, he's, he's stacking up some numbers for killing turkeys here all over the East Coast. And this year alone, he's, he's, he's put several people on birds, including himself, his son, and our good friend, uh, Wendell. It's a, a friend of the podcast. And I want to talk to him. I'm, I've been excited about talking to him because Wendell referred me to him and he's got a really good pedigree of being able to put animals on the ground. And I just want to pick his brain and find out more about him and where he got into it and find out more about of his family. Cause he's a, he's a family man himself. So I'm going to let Josh take over. I want him to tell us some stories about how he got into it and some of the early memories of his youth. So Josh, take it away, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, well, Pretty much hit it on the head. Uh, pretty much killed uh, all these turkeys and deer on the East Coast. Uh, my dad, he uh, introduced me to this thing of uh, hunting when I was about four. And I killed my first whitetail on my own when I was 10 years old, believe it or not. And uh, I'll tell you what, ever since I pulled the trigger on that four-pointer <laughs> on a hunting club, uh, Things have been pretty serious here, so uh, you know I've got I've got a thousand stories I could tell. I mean, from ten years old and I'm 32 now, so you do the math. Uh, it's been a lot of things that have uh, that have died. <laughs> you know, turkeys, turkeys, deer, rabbit, uh, squirrels. I mean, you name it, we we've done it. So you know, I just uh, I got a passion for the outdoors like no other. I mean, something I love to do and. Like I said, I've been doing it, man, since I was four years old, watching my father do it, watching my grandpa. You know, they raised me up right, showed me, showed me the way of how to hunt and what to look for and how to do it. And, you know, I think my success rate has been really, really well these last few years. I know these last few years as a hunter, I've, I've did really well. Like, as far as, like, I used to shoot everything that would walk out, you know. But but now I'm getting older, I'm, I'm chasing bigger and better things, and, my wall has started to uh, to grow each year, so I'm doing something right. I, I don't know. I, I guess I can tell my dad. Thank you for that. I mean, you know, I could be doing a lot worse. I reckon. So that is that is a fair that is a fair a point there. Why don't you tell us about your first deer then? Because it sounds like you you said you shot your first uh, four pointer at, mm-hmm. at ten. So what did you shoot it with? What time of year did you shoot it? Did you shoot it to the rut in the beginning of the season? Uh, tell me about well, it. Well, to be honest, uh. I'm probably going to get laughed at, but I used to be scared of the dark. Okay. That, you know, as an outdoorsman, you know, you know, I'm still at 32 years old. I still get creeped out sometimes, you know, walking in. But my dad, he raised us, you know, nine years old. He gave us our first rifles on Christmas. I'll never forget it. And uh, he let us, uh, you know, we always shot BB guns, pellet guns, you know, birds and squirrels with them with scopes. So, you know, we was familiar with that. And I was 10 years old. 
And he told me, he, he said, it's time for you to, to go on your own. He's like, you know, you know how to operate this firearm. You know the safety. You know what not to do. So I'll never forget it. He gave me a watch, and it was a glow-in-the-dark watch. And uh, I clicked that thing a million times when the sun would go down and, or, you know, in the mornings when the sun was coming up because I was scared of the dark. Well, he dropped me off by myself at 4 o'clock. I'll never forget it. It was on Ridge Runners Hunting Club in South Carolina. And uh, he dropped me off at 4 o'clock. Called me to my box that I was going to hunt that day and uh, climbed up in the sand. He went down below me maybe 150, 200 yards, and he had a horseshoe up his butt, of course. As soon as he sat down, I heard his gun go off. <laughs> I was like, man, I was like, man, I was like, this is not fair. I was like, you know, I was like, he's just killed one, you know, and I didn't know what he killed. I just knew he shot because growing up, we, we, we hunted for meat. We didn't, we didn't care about a 10 pointer, 11 pointers, and all that. You know? So I had my head down, and I'll never forget, I was playing with a stick, I was breaking a stick. And I looked up, and there was there was a deer standing in the food plot. Okay. And uh, I was like, I was like, man, I was like, what do I do? I started shaking, my knees started buckling, I started sweating. I'm ten years old. I'm using a two forty three, a hundred, a hundred fifty grain core lock bullet, I think, or a hundred grain core lock bullet. It was a New England firearm, single shot. I'll never forget it. And uh, I took the gun, and as I was raising it up, I hit the window. Got the gun up put it out the window i always remember what my dad told me aim behind the shoulder and squeeze first deer now i've ever shot at cock the hammer back pull the trigger nothing happens i didn't have a bullet in the gun <laughs> so my nerves are shot so i'm digging for a box of bullets and i have the whole core lock box in my uh, pants pocket i take it out drop it on the floor i'm doing everything possible to let this deer run off and uh i finally get settled down i put a bullet in i regroup get up there cock the hammer back and take a deep breath in and i pull the trigger and i <laughs> i crap you not this man come running so fast up this road hollering he was whistling he's like hey he's like are you all right i said yeah i was like i just shot my first deer and uh he gets up there me and him's high-fiving we're, we're we're excited you know he's like man he's like you sure you got him i was like yeah because when he when i shot him i've always heard if they hit their knees you made a good shot well, he hit his knees and he was, you know, his face was down running. And uh, I told my dad, I said, I'm pretty sure he's dead. Sure enough, I went down in the woods about 100 yards and my dad taps me on my shoulder. He said, you got him. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. Run down there. We're celebrating. And uh, mine was a four-pointer and my dad was a three-pointer. And I still have the picture to this day <laughs> of that them two deer we killed. It was a four-pointer and a three-pointer. And it was best hunt that I've ever been on to this day. Like far as what, well, with my kid. You know, but with my my father, that's probably one of my top three hunts with him. So, do you do you and your dad still get to hunt, or has is or oh, is he yeah. retired? No, he's he's still going strong. He's he's still uh, he's still killing them. He he's starting to get like us though. Now he's getting older, but uh, he's got a piece of property he hunts on, and he he kills some really good deer. I have to give it to him. He kills some really really nice deer. So. He's still doing doing how he was doing. He was twenty, and uh, he's I think he's in, he's maybe mid fifties now. So okay, he's he's still doing pretty good. So that's fantastic. No, no. Do you go, do you guys strictly gun hunt, or do you both bow hunt, or does he crossbow? He got out of bow hunting uh, years ago, but I, I bow hunt, muzzleloader, and rifle. So nice. Now, does uh, North does South Carolina does that allow you guys to have? Um, multiple bucks or a buck per per gun per season for for a different firearm or is it just two for the entire season that's it uh i'm trying to think uh don't get me wrong i, I may be wrong uh our, our south carolina season used to be a 10 tag rule 
five does and five bucks. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, so now I think they cut it down. I think you can get two buck tags and three doe tags, and I think you can get an additional buck tag. So I think you still can kill three in the state of South Carolina, and it's two in the state of North Carolina. But to answer the question, uh, you can uh, I think you you don't have no buck. I think like you got your either sex days, and that's doe only, and then you got your buck only days. But I'm pretty sure during bow season. I'm pretty sure you can shoot buck guard doe during bow and then muzzleloader. I think it's buck only after like the, I think the first 10 days, I think is buck only. And then when rifle comes in, I think it's either six through the whole year. I'm pretty sure. Okay. So when does your guys' season start out there in South Carolina? Uh, well, I hunt North and South. I hunt North more than South, but the reason I like hunting South because North Carolina uh, starts September, I think it's the ninth. So our bow season starts then. South Carolina's bow season is start like the 15th. So when South Carolina bow season comes in, it only runs the 15th to October 1st. So when October 1st comes, that's your muzzleloader. So you muzzleloader hunt for 10 days to October 11th. So when October 11th comes in, it's rifle season all the way to January the 1st. Oh, wow. That's a big lengthy time for art for, Man, for, for, uh, yes. for rifle. They give you a long rifle season in the South. It starts and from October the, uh, the 11th to January the 1st in North Carolina is, is I hate how they done it, but I mean, I kind of like how they do it. Cause I mean, the population is a lot better now, but, uh, you go from, I think the ninth, it, it fluctuates. It's whatever the second weekend of, uh, the Saturday fall on of September, it always comes in. So say if it comes in on the ninth, you'll bow hunt all the way to November the 6th. And that's when our muzzleloader kicks off. So then you get two weeks of muzzleloader here. And then you'll go straight in Thanksgiving week to rifle and then rifle to uh, January the 1st. So we get like a three-week period with rifle in North Carolina. Okay. Yeah. Wisconsin, we do nine days for rifle. And I think it's another nine days for muzzleloader. But uh, depending on what county you live in in Wisconsin or what area, you could hunt with a bow from the third weekend of September all the way up until January 31st. It all depends wow. on where you're at. Yeah. It's It's a... Pretty length of time, but I tell you what, those January sets are fucking cold. Oh, I can imagine. So <laughs> we don't get no cold weather here like you guys. Like we all base off the rut here. You know, our rut hits South Carolina rut starts October eleventh. Okay. Like the the first the first two to three weeks here in October is jam up, and our rifle season kicks in. The I always love. The first two weeks of muzzleloader and the first two weeks of rifle in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is about it, but the deer are going absolutely crazy them weeks. But South Carolina, you'll you'll find scrapes September the fifteenth up in the bow season, and they'll be horning trees. And then, like I said, the rut man, you'll be sitting there October eleventh. I've killed some of my biggest deer from the eleventh through the twentieth of October in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. So, what would be a big deer considered out there? Oh man, uh, it's not not point wise, but how many pounds? Uh, you're probably gonna laugh at me. Probably our average deer around here. You, if you kill one two two twenty, you you've killed a big body deer. That's still pretty. That's that's a that's a good sized deer, no, regardless of where you look at it. I mean, around around here, it's like that's that's a pretty fair average size around these parts. Yeah, a big deer is pushing 300 but those are those are some monsters and those are not easy to kill but at least we're not like over in arizona or or, uh or in mexico where you have the the coos deer where they where they a big deer is like 80 pounds yeah 
But you guys are, you're, I mean, like you were telling me earlier this week, it's, it, it was last week. You guys are already in your 80s. Man, we hit 91 today. Oh, jeez. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah, and tomorrow's, I think the rest of the week is going to be high 80s, close to 90s the rest of the week. I I like it's like right now we we haven't even hit seventy yet so I'm I'm sitting pretty cushy right now where I'm at <laughs> you know I don't mind uh, uh, the colder weather it's like the, it's just that heat that humidity I used to live out in Arizona and such and that was that that, that dry hu- the dry heat is a whole other ball game when one kind of comes down to lack of humidity whether it be in the wintertime or in the or in the winter t- or summertime but boy up here though it's like when it gets to 80 degrees and 100% humidity. It's like, it's just ridiculous. Cause we just like, give us back our cold months. Oh yes. Yeah, that's, that's here, man. The humidity, man. We're, we're all, we're talking about a day at work. It's like, man, it's, it's getting that time. And I cannot stand the summertime here. It's miserable. I mean, mm-hmm. it's hard to do anything like far as, you know, prepping for deer season or whatever, you know, it's just, you can't, you got to do it early, early in the morning and you can't go out after 10, 11 o'clock out here. You'll die out here in this stuff. Oh, I, it, that is so true. You got to plan with all the extra water and such. Now, um, with this, do you now? When did you start getting into turkey hunting when you were young? Um, believe it or not, my dad he never turkey hunted. Uh, yeah, I actually, I eighteen years old, uh, coming out of high school, I got the got the urge to try to do it. Okay, and I'm gonna be honest with you, it was a rough rough couple years trying to do it i did get lucky my first year i killed a jake in south carolina my first year and i think i probably went another probably three or four years forever ever killed another turkey but i had to figure out how to use a mouth call i mean i try to watch videos but man i went off how i wanted to do it basically and i did my own thing and i'm kind of glad i did do it because i mean there's nothing wrong with watching you know the videos online but i like you know i tell people you know some of these people that show you this stuff on here, they make it look easy, but it's not that easy. <laughs> no, I struggle with getting the, the massive amount of saliva that's built up in the roof of your mouth. My dad never was a big turkey hunter. I, I started turkey hunting. This will be my eighth season because I, I try to I hunt both the uh, the fall and the spring. So because like fall, you never know when you're going to come across a turkey, but it's like it's better to have the tag and not need it, need a tag and not have it. And it's like you never know when you're going to have another opportunity. Like this past season, my roommate, he had an opportunity getting a turkey, but he didn't have a tag because it's like exactly. the piece of property that I've been hunting, never seen turkeys on it. And then the day we were setting out there, he had one 15 yards out, you, sitting on the ground with the bow in his hand, he could easily stitch one, but he didn't have a tag for it. It's like son of a gun. And I was 600 yards across the field waiting for deer and i had three deer come out but they're all three really small ones i had a, a mature doe and two fawns and it's like i just but they also showed up like 140 yards the other direction it's like well this i picked the wrong spot to set because i on public land i just do ground and pound i just grab my ghost blind set up and go from there but yeah i i'm in the same boat man i still haven't got my first bird either um this 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 season i have a, a hunting trip coming up here in the end of may where i'm going to be able to uh Set it with a buddy of mine that's has caught shot turkeys. Several of them. He's got well over. I think he's got eight or nine underneath his belt. So he's he's pretty qualified for teaching somebody how to hunt hunt turkey. So as I've, I got decoys, a lot of fun stuff, but I just can't get the calling down, man. That calling is tricky, and, and I I am oh being lazy about the mouth call. But I've tried the boxes and the slates, and it's like I just everybody that has had really good success success consistently always use a mouth call. Well, 
that was me. I started off with a mouth call, and I sound like a dying goose for about a year and a half until, until <laughs> yeah. I got until I got the the, the the problem down, you know, with the reeds and everything, and, and figure out how to use the the air. So, but I, I did use a slate for a long time. I mean, a slate call it helped me many a years until I learned how to use a mouth call. But a mouth call is nice too because it's hands free. You don't have all that movement when that bird gets in 50, 60 yards. So it's it's a plus to know how to use a mouth call. Everybody can't use them, but you know, it takes a lot, a lot of practice. It took me, I'm telling you, months and months sitting on the front porch aggravating people out in the yard. <laughs> oh, uh, and I bet you're, you're the miss and all the kids probably got annoyed too to listen to you practice. Oh, yes. And you did not do that in the house. <laughs> you <laughs> had to go outside. Oh, um, you know, it's like, uh, I travel, like I drive a lot. So it's like, that's the time I need to need to spend the time actually focusing on getting that taken care of. I, I bought a couple and then my wife tried doing it, but we just could get, we just for some, we just haven't got the, that the rhythm down and getting everything, getting that flow going. Yeah. It's it takes a lot of practice, man. A lot, a lot of time. Like I said, you said it, you said it though, the vehicle too. That's, that's a good time too. coming home from work or going out of town and you by yourself. And that's a really good time to try to do it as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, what is it? There's some states where you can't even practice. You can't even call for the first like uh, anywhere between five to nine days prior to the season beginning. I've I've seen a couple of different states. Like uh, I can't remember where I've seen them show up because I belong to so many Facebook groups. I can never remember which one I've seen in. But now there's certain. It's like it's it's a truth. It's like you can't do it. And then if like if you accepted cash for guiding, you have to get a guiding license. If you don't, then you get repercussions from that. It's it's a uh, uh, a fine line when you're doing it too. And it's like, and on top of it too, with the internet and to, with the internet too, as well, you never know if you're going to be, uh, dealing with, um, an undercover agent too, as well. So it's like one of those things where it's like, if you're not, if you don't have your guide license, don't be accepting any money to, uh, if you're going to be guiding. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I don't blame you there. I definitely would have to have my guiding license. So I didn't go to jail. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's most time it's always the fine of some, some dollar amount. And then on top of that, you'll have, you'll get this, you can get you can get your your privileges revoked between two to five years depending on the situation. So, yeah, I wouldn't want to be in the receiving end of one of those. I'm not good enough to to guide, so it's like I it's like if somebody wants to go hunt, let's let just go. It's like we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm glad North Carolina don't do that. I'd be in trouble. Oh, no kidding. Well, you, well, even when Wendell came out hunt with you, I mean, you were you guys were you got, you don't well, you guys are friends, so that wouldn't be something to cross your mind. Uh, yeah, actually, yeah, Wendell, yeah, he come out, he, he picked a bad weekend to come, but we, we still had a good time. It was very, very cold. <laughs> the oh weather. man. Yeah. What, what were you guys dealing with? Uh, like cold winds, high winds, rain. Oh man. It was, I think the first morning we went out, I think it was 39. Mm-hmm. The wind was blowing like 15 to 20, I, I think. And the afternoon it had rained. Then Sunday morning, now Sunday morning was a really good morning. It was still like 41. No, it was actually colder because we had frost on the ground that morning. But we actually end up going out Sunday morning. And I hate to say this, but Wendell shot and missed. So I will put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I gave him shit about that too. He told me about that as well. Yeah. His buddy, Josh, the the guy that was a former uh, Marine, I think, uh, <clears throat> he killed the first afternoon with me, me and him. Uh, we actually belly crawled up to this bird with a fan and it was pretty intense. Like I dropped everything. Like I told him, I said, if you're ready to kill, I was like, we got to go now. I was like, there's no time to wait. I was like, we have to go to this bird now. And 
I'm, I'm glad we did because he got his first bird and he was like, it, it wore him out, <laughs> belly crawling across the field after a turkey. He didn't know you had to do all that. Oh, yeah, those, those, those they're maybe dumb birds, but boy, they have good eyesight. Man, they're very smart to have a little bitty pea brain. That's, I tell everybody, if they had a nose, you'd never kill them. Yeah, no kidding. That's that's the, that's the truth on that one, man. They're not easy to, to kill. I, I've I've spooked some, but uh, never, never, well, it was always either that I wasn't set up for turkey or I didn't have a tag for turkey. But yeah, you yeah. never know what's weird, what you're going to come across. Um, now, when you go out, uh, no, that's right. We, we do talk, you know, I talked that you have not uh, taken a turkey with the bow yet. So when are you going to, when are you going to get up out in the ground blind to, to get after a turkey in a, with a bow? Oh, uh, that's a good question. I thought about trying it this year, but our season, our season ends Saturday here and South Carolina ends the 10th, but I'm thinking next year I'm probably going to try to kill a lot more with a bow because, you know, don't get me wrong, shotgun is still hard, but I think bow would be a big, big challenge. So I think next year I'm, I'm honestly going to try to tackle that, at least try to kill one with a bow for sure. Yeah, that's – that's um, I, I'm not a, a gun hunt. I do have a, I do have guns, but I don't typically uh, gun hunt. I typically bow hunt. I have uh, – one of my bigger sponsors is uh, Veteran Innovative Products out of uh, out of uh, Texas. And I just like <laughs> shooting bow because it's just that much more of a challenge because when you have that – when you're able to put everything together, whether it be a, with a deer or a small game, or a turkey telling people you shot it with the bow is, is pretty, pretty impressive because there's a lot of movement. And uh, the guy I'm going to go hunt with, um, Craig, he, that's all he hunts with is with the bow. He was it uh, 2020. He went um, uh, four for four, four weeks in a row for getting a, getting a, uh, getting a turkey last than 2021. He got skunked, but that's just how turkey hunting goes sometimes. And this year he's, he's, he hunted this weekend. He didn't, the things didn't come together, but uh, hopefully he's still got a couple more seasons than he has. Then we're hunting together in uh, late May. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a challenge. I'm, I'm definitely up to try to do it. I mean, I've said it every year now that I'm going to try to go take one with a bow, but I get caught up taking friends and it's just, you know, I don't never get that much time to myself to go. And when I do, I don't think about carrying the bow. Yeah. I can completely understand. Cause you got guys, you got guys coming in from all different, out of state. So you want to be able to be the most successful and, the gun is where it's at. Yep, exactly. It's, I hate to say it, it's a lot easier, but, you know, like with bringing the guys in, like Wendell and them out of Indiana, and I've had several people, man, I brought from different states out with me and hunted, and I'd much rather see them, you know, get the kill instead of, you know, if we did take a bow, you know, that would be kind of hard to do. Yeah, because when you when you put all that windshield time behind it and all the gas prices behind it. Exactly. And then that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, a sour taste. That's a sour soup to drink, to eat on your way home. It is exactly, especially when they drove nine and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's why it's like I need to get good in my own state before I go start going out of state hunting. So this way, then it's like I at least get one bird out of the way. Uh, yeah. And it's like I live right next door to Minnesota, so it's not that expensive to get one over there. But Iowa, getting a non-resident tag for Iowa, it, they those tags get picked up quick. Oddly enough, but then it's like then otherwise you go down to Illinois. I have family down there, but man, those tickets are those those tags are expensive. I'm not sure what Illinois is at. I know. Their deer tags are like five hundred bucks plus. When you have oh to else, just for the tag itself, and then you got to include all the drive time and such from there. And hmm. uh, my father-in-law and his dad, they still hunt together, but they primarily they just use shotgun. Yeah, I would want to go down there on a bow, and it's like because this way, then I could be able to make multiple trips down there. But it's just so it's just it's a six-hour drive one way, and I have I have a very 
busy life to be able to maintain, actually to have time to be able to dedicate to get out back and forth. Because those guys that travel four or five states and put on put um, animals on the ground, good for them, man. It's 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 it is a definitely a lifestyle to be able to pull that type of uh, 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 those are the type of experiences off. Yeah, I agree. I, I've got a buddy here in North Carolina. Uh, I'm sure if I say his name on here, there'd be a lot of people knowing, but. Uh, He's got his own TV show, Turkey Maniac, uh, on okay. uh, YouTube, and uh, his name's Chris Roseboro. Mm-hmm. And he was—he actually had a job offer with uh, Real Tree Outdoors with Michael Waddell and them as a cameraman. And uh, he does that, man. He—he he, he traveled to Kentucky, uh, Tennessee, West Virginia. He's all around the world. He's done killed one in Florida this year. Uh, we stay in touch a lot, man. I've actually, I actually learned a lot through the turkey woods with him, as far as the calling as well. So mm-hmm. he's another guy. He's another really good. Uh, he's he's one of the best turkey hunters I've ever been around so far. So that's that's a good role model to be able to to learn off of and pick his brain. Because when the, when those folks get so busy and you want it, it's it's good to take utilize the time you had with them because now it's like he's going to be busy nonstop. There's, there's never going to be a dull moment except for maybe the summertime, but even still that's filled with fishing. Exactly. Yes. So what do you got uh, for, for uh, hunting note for, for uh, whitetail? Do you, do you primarily just use public land and private land or do you, I heard you mention a club earlier on. Are you well, still part of that club? No, we're not actually, we're all private now. We don't, we don't hunt public, uh, I've got probably four different tracks. Well, let's see. Yeah, probably four different tracks of uh, private land that I've got. So it's 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 nice to have it, not having to deal with the headache of public, which I don't have no problem with public land. But, you know, it's nice to have, you know, you pinpoint that deer. I'm not saying you're going to kill him, but you don't have no pressure on him as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I've noticed that, too. Like, I, I, I tend to hit hunt a lot harder in the f- fall or in the in the in the beginning of the season because then as once pretty much the rut hits everywhere gets hit pretty hard and there's a lot of pressure because there's there's this one piece of property i hunt during the week because i know there's nobody be out there i i've i stack my hours as well get out an hour or two before uh, d- uh dusk and just get out there early sit down i have a pretty well timed out if i get between like three to four hours prior to them walking and stepping foot out of their bedding area i'm pretty much set for at least seeing deer like last year i saw so many deer it was ridiculous now for your setup do you run trail cameras or do you run um food plots too as well with your oh, yeah. land yeah uh, the guy actually the uh, one of the properties i have uh he actually has a bunch of farming equipment, so he does. He'll bush hog my lanes, and you know, if we if we have to plant something, we'll do that as well. But you know, I usually use a lot of Lucky Buck, uh, you know, salt blocks, mineral blocks. Uh, I do run trail cameras, of course. I usually start about here about into May, May going into June. I'll usually I'll start hitting it hard and start giving them what they need. So, but yeah, we. We, we usually hit it hard, like I said, about in the May, 1st of June, and I'll get the guy. If I need anything done for us, my lane's cut, I'll go ahead and do that and get it out of the way about July, August, so it don't get too too grown up before, you know, the fall season hits. So have you have you ventured into doing those tethered hunts, like doing those saddle hunts, or do you still stick with a traditional tree stand? I usually uh, – I've seen them. I've, I've seen them and looked in on them, but I haven't tried it yet. I, I usually use my climber and, you know – I. I've got a couple of box blinds, you know, set up on the property and, you know, ladder stands, is, of course, but I, I still love the the old fashioned using the climber as well, finding a tree and just 
you know, there's a lot of places that I'll hunt on private that even though it's private, I still won't use no corn or nothing. And I'll still, I'll go in there and, you know, find the main, you know, bedding area, the trails that they're coming off of. And I usually do pretty good that way as well. So. So do you, do you have any uh, tips or tricks that you want to relate to, like tell the audience about that you found successful out there in, in South Carolina, North Carolina hunting? Uh, I'll be honest with you. I just play, try to play to win. And like I said, I, I try to find the main corridor, you know, where they're coming in and out of, and, you know, try to find the, the my biggest key is finding the bedding areas and getting, you know, in between them, you know, when they come in the end that, you know, either go feed or going back to lay down, you know, so. And, and here, of course, we can bait, so that plays a big factor as well. So you can you can bait with corn and it, you know such on and such on. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I I I don't knock anybody for being able to do it. As I just it's, it's just frustrating that there's some states you can, some states you can't, and it's like one of those things where it's like it's a, it's just a simple attack on your rights. And it's like as soon as they start chipping away and they start taking away your your ability to bait, because like here in Wisconsin, there's certain counties you can, certain counties you can't. And then now they're going after the antis are going after bear hunting. And then now they're trying to shrink the amount of time that you can bait for as well. And so it's just their way of they're, they're, they're starting on the outskirts and they're trying to peel that onion down further and further, start with the, the skin and then go layer by layer. And the more they can take away, the less likely we're going to get it back. Exactly. And that's the problem They're And they're going to try to take it away. I mean, it's getting ridiculous. Yeah. Now does, uh, in your area in North Carolina, South Carolina, do you, uh, does the, do your guys DNR do like a, uh, a, summer, a survey or anything like that? Or do you guys get to go to the town halls and, and voice your opinions? They usually, uh, they'll usually have it, uh, like, like you said, a town hall, they'll usually have a voting and we can go vote, you know, say like, it's weird. Like I, like Cleveland County in North Carolina, you know, how I was telling you with our rifle season, how it comes in. Well, when our rifle comes in, we only get the first two weeks of muzzleloader, either sex, and that's, you know, buck and doe. Mm-hmm. And then you go the two weeks of rifle is either sex, buck and doe. Well, Gaston County, which is like maybe 15 minutes from Cleveland County, they get either sex all year long. And All right. Yeah, and I'll be honest with you, I think – it needs to be it's definitely because everybody has went to horn hunting around here. And, I, and I'm not going to lie, I, I've, I've the last few years done it as well. But I've, this these last two past seasons, I have killed a lot more does. And I think that's the problem with us hunters now, like around here. I, and I, I'm even bad to say, too, I let too many does go. And, I, and I, it's, it's, it hurts our population, I think, more than anything. You know, you get a lot of inbreeding and the man, the deer be so jacked up and you know, I try to harvest at least, I at least try to fill all my doe tags now. Early, you know, early September when the phones are off of them, I'll try to shoot, you know, one then. And then definitely before the rut comes in, I try to take a couple. And then after the rut, I might try to take one more. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I tend to, uh, I, I try to maximize my doe potentials first off. And, but I also try to di- try to pay attention to which ones that typically produce twins. The ones yeah. to be able to go into rut more than once. Cause you never know if they were able to produce two bucks or produce one buck and a doe, you know, you never know what's going to happen. So it's like, those are the ones I kind of leave alone because if I, if, if that one deer can produce two, I'm not going to shoot it. Cause it's like, why not? There was uh, one piece of property in Minnesota I used to hunt that year after year for, I hunted there for four years and every single year I hunted before I lost my privilege, uh, the, um, the doe produced. And that all became down to the guy was retiring and he worked second shift for a lot of time. 
and he kind of kind of it was like having me hunt there was his kind of middle finger to the neighbors and such because <laughs> it's like when they would come over and yell at her or try to tell him like hey why are you letting this guy's hunt and stuff like that well he was always he was already he was he was at work by the time they got off work and then he'd be getting home when they're still in bed so it's like he it's like pfft, didn't care and it's like they told me it's like yeah i'm retiring so it's like i don't want to deal with them so it's like it's like it's not against you it's just like i just don't want to deal with them it's like man but it's all right though the guy was awesome he was a good dude I, yeah i know no but I, I keep an eye on his property just in case if it goes up for sale because he <laughs> sat on this mint five acres worth of land but it, it it was a corridor it had water it had bedding and sanctuary and just on five acres and it's like the the bucks that i took pictures on that's where i shot him at once i killed him more bucks showed up and stuff i mean my listeners have heard the story more than once but uh you know you just you just get that when you shoot that one big bully buck and all of a sudden yep. you just, like you start seeing like never seen him before never seen him before he's pretty he's handsome yeah that's that that is the truth that that's the same here you know we even with me like last year uh i killed my biggest bow buck actually uh i had him on trail camera in august and He's, he was a really, I mean, biggest buck I've ever killed a bow. And I, I, I might top it this year. I don't, you know, I don't know. But uh, I had him coming in, and he was always the first one in. And all the other bucks, like you said, you know, they wouldn't – they would come later when he left. And I ended up killing him. I hunted him 32 hours in one stand. I, I marked it from, the, from opening day. It took me 32 hours in one stand before I killed this deer. And I ended up killing him. And man, it was just blow your mind at the trail cam pictures of the deer I got after him. It was just one after another. I mean, and some good quality deer too. I mean, I ended up harvesting my biggest buck with a muzzle loader as well. So it turned out pretty good for me. <laughs> man, so your twenty twenty uh one season was pretty hopping then, wasn't it? Man, I had the best season of my life, twenty twenty one. I'm not gonna lie. I killed my biggest buck in South Carolina and I killed my biggest bow buck and my biggest mu- uh, muzzle loader buck in North Carolina. So man, congratulations. Talk about having a heck of a season. Yeah, it was, it was one for the books and, uh, my other, the, my, the season, two seasons before that, I tore my Achilles actually. Oh man. Yeah. I had a major surgery. I was out for eight months and Wendell can tell you as well. Uh, I had a cast on my leg and I never missed a beat during deer season. I, I tore it April. No, I tore, excuse me. I tore October like the 31st, I think the day or the day before Halloween, I tore it and I was back in the woods Ooh. before Thanksgiving week. And I killed, I killed a probably uh, my first 10 pointer actually that I ever killed. I actually killed him uh, with a, a tour Achilles with a cast on. It was pretty, it was pretty wild. So did you know, did you kill him in a box blind or did you kill him in a, in a tree stand? I killed him. I killed the, the one that I, when I, which one, the one, I, the 10 pointer, my Achilles or the, yeah, the only Achilles 10 to one. Yeah. Shot. I killed him in a, a box stand. It was pouring down rain. Shot, the, shot him chasing the doe across the power line. Wow. See, I've always been kind of hesitant because I, 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 I know I'd be able to good, 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 uh, put a good shot on a deer, but it's like, I'd be my biggest fear is I would shoot it and then he would go run off, off some buck brush and it'd be so thick that it's like the, the rain would wash the blood away. And I just, it's just one of those weary things. Like I've shot, I've gone hunting when it's in a, in a, in a, in a, in a blizzard and, and it's like all you, all you can really do is just wait it all out. But it's like if you're able to be out there when it's over, then the shit pops off because now you have fresh powder. You're gonna be able to track them easily, and then and then at that point in time when they're it's like you're, even though I'm, I'm cold, I have a picture of my beard. What 
all all my goatee and my beard was frozen because of how cold it was because it was <laughs> negative negative 13 when i was a hunt oh, yeah yeah i shot i shot one of my biggest does i think she was like 130 pounds or something like that and she dressed down to oh what's 75 80 right around that mark right there but she she was one of those situations where after it got done snowing she came out and 30 yards out blast her through the heart and it was done but that shot her 2012 20, 2013 that, that was uh yeah 20 because 2014 was our coldest time on record where we had like a hundred and uh, well minneapolis saw 130 days below zero goodness gracious no i, yeah. could, I couldn't do that now i'd be in trouble oh man it was <laughs> it was rough on the deer population but we've had a lot of very mild winters even this past winter we probably saw only maybe 14 days below zero and most of it was well it's still cold outside but deer kind of robust up here they put on that fat real quickly throughout the fall and the rut and they get they get thick and they're able to survive but they're like throughout minnesota wisconsin illinois iowa a lot of guys do private they put in those um food plots and that's where it's at you know they keep on they maintain that supply that the health throughout the entire and then some of them will put if they're if they're County or the state will allow them to put down salt licks and mineral blocks and stuff to give them that nutrients throughout the year. Because I know when I was hunting in Minnesota, as soon as the season was over, like because it started January 1st, my season began again. I'd throw out those big blocks and put them in the same spot I, I would would have prior to the season starting because you have to remove them. I think it's seven and seven to nine days prior to the I haven't hunted in Minnesota in a while, so but you had to remove any remnants of a uh, a mineral block prior to being out there hunting because it would be considered baiting. So that's what I would do. I would just dig it up. I'd actually dig it off the, like, uh, take a shovel, dig it out, scoop all the ground. Because it's like I didn't want to have any conversations with the DNR or anything like that. So just best to just remove it off the property and yeah, then go from there. That's how South Carolina used to be. Uh, they actually just took changed the law. Uh, I think probably six years ago, they they dropped their, you know, like I, I told you earlier, they dropped their, uh, our tags to five. Okay. But you used to could not be within five. You had to be within 500 yards of a bait pile. And if you got caught within that 500 yards, you got a ticket and went to jail. Ooh. So South, yeah, South Carolina just now, just probably six years ago, allowed baiting. So, and it, and South Carolina is, is a very hard state to hunt. But I mean, of course, you know, now we can dump corn and it, it does make things a lot easier. I mean, I'm not going to lie here and tell you it doesn't because it mm-hmm. does. So, yeah, there's there was a story that there was a elderly man. I'm not sure if he was in his 70s or someone or if he was in his 60s or 70s, but he got gored by a 10 point buck. Well, when the DNR went out to investigate, he was sitting on top of a corn pile there where he cannot uh, where he where he can't bait. And I can't remember what county was he was in, but he can't bait. So yeah, that that goring turned into a nice steep fine, and I think it was two years pro two beer, two years with his uh, revocation of privileges to hunt and fish. Yep, they'll do it. Takes your license. They they revoke you for like two years for that. Oh yeah. Well, there's in in some states get even nastier too. It's like if if you're caught poaching or if you're caught with over your limit, they'll take everything. They can take your boat, oh, yeah. your truck. I mean, the whole nine. It's like you know, it's like I don't blame them for doing that shit because it's like it's the only way somebody's gonna learn. Because if you just give them a slap on the wrist, well, they're gonna keep doing it because it's yeah. just a slap on the wrist. So it's like you have to go to the extreme. So it's like you buy a new truck and you get busted, and you come home and like, yeah, I got <laughs> caught, and the DNR has a new truck because I know. Uh, 
Minnesota, every spring, if you pay attention, they, they release an auction where you can buy crossbows and shotguns and rifles and pistols for people poaching or, or yeah. just to just confiscate them. Bows too. But sometimes the bows go like the, some of those times those, those, um, those tools go way overpriced. Like you're paying brand new prices for a used bow. It's like, nope. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just like not even worth it. So what, um, what do you got? To, so this, so right now you've been, you've been pretty hand pretty hard on the turkey. So how many turkeys have you gotten so far? So I think you're pretty much, you. anytime you've gone out, you've pretty much gotten a bird. Yeah. I'm, I, I hate, to, <laughs> I hate to tell it on the podcast, but, uh, I missed twice already. Uh, I should have been tagged out. Uh, I tagged out in South Carolina, you know, the other day. And, uh, I've been hunting these two other private, uh, private properties I have. And I went, to uh one of me and my brother have been hunting hard since opening day and the birds have been so called you know call shy you know they they run they they see a decoy they're going this is on private i don't know if the coyotes has butched you know got a messed up or if another hunter snuck in maybe i don't know what happened but i told my brother i said i'm gonna kill that one there's one big bird in there i mean he's he's very smart and uh the other afternoon i hunted him and i had him at six o'clock in the afternoon gobbling his head off and I was scared to call to him because I was like, they usually run when I call. So I threw a couple light calls out and the bird gobbled to me. And I knew I was like, well, I got his attention now. So I took my hand and for new turkey hunters, if you're sitting in a bunch of leaves, just take your hand and, and scratch the leaves back and forth really loud. It's, it's you know, it's, it's they think it's a hen, you know, scratching for, you know, grub worms and stuff like that. So the more I scratched, the more he would gobble to me scratching. And this bird actually closed the distance from about 75 yards to about 50 with just me scratching now, no calling, just scratching like I was a turkey. And uh, he got about 50 yards, and I shoot a 410 with the TSSs. And I shot, and I missed him. So I didn't get the tag out on him. And then this past weekend, me and my girlfriend went, of course. And, well, needless to say, I worked a bird for an hour and a half, and I had him come in at 45 yards, and I shot over his head. So. <laughs> Oh man! Yeah, those TSSs are those things are accurate. Man, I tell you what, I used to be one of these guys that had to have the five thirty-five, the eight thirty-five. I had to have three and a half. I had to shoot seventy-five yards. I had to have all that. But man, I'm gonna tell you what: if you're a turkey hunter, buy you a four ten. That's all you need. The single shots, man, it's lightweight, easy to maneuver with. I mean, they don't knock your shoulder out of place. I mean, it's perfect for a kid as well. But I. I'll tell you right now, I won't use another gun turkey season. I'll use a 410. Oh, I love 410s. It's nasty. I got I run a Jeb Choke in mine with a nine-shot TSS. I got a little red dot on it. And, man, I've killed them. I've killed them at 45 and 50 with it, you know, plenty of times. And I should have killed this past Saturday. But, you know, I aimed a little high and shot right over his head. But I have killed, I've killed, I've tagged out in South and I've killed one in North. So, and I'm going to Indiana as well. I'm leaving May the 12th. I'm getting off work at 12 o'clock and I'm driving nine and a half hours to go hunt with Wendell. So I'm hoping I can get my first, I say South Carolina's out of state, but I live so close to the line. So Indiana will be my first real, real test out of, out of the state. So. Man, that'd be excited for you. I'll be able to pull it together because I'm in the same boat too. Like Minnesota is 12 exit, 12 miles away. And yeah. so it's like, I don't really consider that out of state because it's so close. Plus, I yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an original resident from there. So, you know, it's like, it's just like, eh, it's Minnesota. It's just like the only difference is from a $27 tag to a $130 tag. 
exactly. That's here. It's a, a $55 tags here for north of resident and out of state is 375 375 Holy shit. That's expensive. Yeah. yeah, but it does come with your turkey tags, your deer tags, covers you oh. for the whole year. Oh, it's a sportsman's package. Yeah. See, yep. I like sportsman's <coughs> package. I like Wisconsin does that too. I wish Minnesota and Iowa well, Iowa does it for fishing and migratory birds because uh, Lake Okaboji, there you could do a lot of guys will do that both. They'll they'll when the when the when the ducks aren't flying and the geese aren't flying, they'll they'll fish. But I wish more states would like would actually provide a non-resident bundle. So this way, then when you come there, it's like especially if you're you're like when you like you and I, we live so close. It's like, do you know, nice would be just to buy a sportsman package, spend a little bit extra money, but I get X, Y, and Z with the whole entire thing. It's like exactly it's genius. See, Kentucky, I was supposed to go to Kentucky and hunt, and uh, I didn't get to make it. But their their tax system is wild too. Uh, it was going to cost me a hundred eighty dollars. Just I think. Just for just one tag, I think, or two tags, and I forgot. I forgot how it would come out to be. It was. I think it was more than a hundred. I think it was like two eighty actually. And uh, they they allow a seven day permit, but they won't let you get it for big game. So say if I was like small game, if I wanted to go hunt small game, I could buy a seven day permit, and I wouldn't have to pay but like eighty bucks. Mm-hmm. So the seven day permit doesn't cover whitetail or turkey. So they they get you with that and make you pay the extra two hundred dollars and. You come out with two hundred eighty bucks, you know. So mm-hmm. I, I get what they're doing. As long as they're putting the money back into it, I agree. I guess you know, without the state people. So yeah, that's what that's my thoughts too. I'm looking uh, next year to do my first out of state turkey. Actually, going to Nebraska and going over to some Miriams because Nebraska actually has its own dedicated uh, bow season. Now, Miriams are known in in the Chadron area and stuff like that, and that's where everybody goes to hunt. But the cool thing is. It's it's only bows only, so it's great. So you don't have to worry about having to worry about the orange army. And there's like uh, there's uh, there's several campground stuff. So well, we what, me and a group of us. Is, I mean, well, right now we got three of us confirmed. We're waiting on a fourth one. He's got to got to get the okay from the wife to make sure it's okay for him to do it. Because the nice thing is, he's like he's on our way out there. But it's just one more purse to pay for gas and the in the uh, campsite because we can book a campsite 180 days out prior to our arrival. So it's like something like right around November 1st, I can get our our book a uh, we're going to do a nine day hunt out there because it's like it's so far. We, it's just better just to do that. And if we can include the weekends, well, now we're taking less time off. We're we're having extra days now for travel. And not have to worry about burning PTO for like, well, we only have three days to hunt, so but we have five days to to do all the, tr- the travel. <laughs> exactly, yeah, that's that's very smart, actually. Mm-hmm. So both everybody that I work with or everybody that we're going to be going with, they all have really good PTO plans with their company. So I've been with my company for five years, so I'm actually going to get another another PTO bump here in June. So I'm pretty excited about that. I'm getting like close to. Like uh, a shift and a half every two weeks, so it's like I'm gonna have a pretty good catch. But the thing is, oh, I yeah. have to use I have to use all the way down to 56 hours. Otherwise, then anything prior to anything after over that, they, the company just eases. Like, sorry, we're gonna take that. And you're not gonna. It's like tough. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I do the same thing here. If you don't spend it by the end of the year, they take it. Yeah, at least the nice things we're outdoorsmen, so it's like we're we're gonna definitely make the use of it too. So it's like even if you tag out, well, guess what? There's there's coon hunting, there is coyote hunting too as well. Yeah, exactly. That's that's me. I base I base my vacation on the rut. <laughs> I'm not yeah, gonna lie. 
that's what a lot of us do. We, we, we base our time, our vacation, our sick time for it. Like, <laughs> I'm sick. Even yep. though it's like, well, you, it's like, you only get time. You only get sick during this section of, of the, of the time of the year. It's like, that's just pure coincidence. I don't know what you're talking about. Yep. It's just a bad timing for me in November. I don't know what happens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, the best part, like, well, when, when the, when the pandemic kicked off in 2020 and 2021, you could just say you had COVID and it's like, you get 14 days off. It's like, guess what? I'm going out hunting. Yeah. And here you got 14 days off with pay. Yeah, that's, that's true. Some States and some companies will allow you to do that. So yeah, you would get paid here for 14 days. You got paid. So yeah, oh, yeah. it was, it was nice. I mean, it, it was bad to say that, you know, Hey, I got COVID, but you know, you had to do what you had to do if you had a vacation. <laughs> yeah, don't no kid, right? Oh, yeah. it was hilarious. There was um, there were some there were some kids that figured out that if they if they dipped a COVID test in Monster, you'd actually create you would create a, a positive reading. So it's like <laughs> some, some some kids were doing that too. It's like, hey, good well, for you. That, I would have done it. I mean, if it, it was legit. Oh yeah, no kid. It's like if it, if it actually is like all you need is a negative test. It's like perfect that it's like, and it's, the schools are more than willing to get rid of them. Like uh, uh, my wife was telling me here that the here in Lacrosse, they're actually want to combine all the schools to have one big one. And I think because due to lack of enrollment, so it's like, well, a couple things are happening. Is either they don't like the politics, which is a pretty big win. We've seen what happened. The states that that um, that were very lenient on their on their on their shutdowns. They had a they had a population growth. They had um, higher profits. They had better people stay. People moved to there, and then those who didn't, they well, they had to get the f out. You know, kind of like what happened in Illinois. Or um, their their people are waking up. Like there's a big awakening that they recognize that schools are just designed for brainwashing, and so their people are starting to develop. Um, uh, co-ops, homeless or homeschooling co-ops is where then you can all learn how to do it and actually teaching your kids like the 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 constitution, reading, writing, and math and definitely not to worry about gender studies or any of that bullshit. Yes. Yeah, I'm telling you, man, it's getting crazy. That's why I love the outdoors. I don't have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm away from you know politics and all that. I mean, I'm I'm a Republican of course, so you know, Trump twenty twenty four and <laughs> you know Amen to that. as far as Biden and all that shit goes, I when I'm in the woods, it's it's my time, and I'm away from all this mess. So that's the best part. Get, it's it's our man, mental health. Exactly. I don't see how anybody could bash us hunters and mm-hmm. the, even Peter or whatever you call them. You know, that, it, it's ridiculous, man. That, you know, it's it's helping things. It's not hurting things, and they don't understand that. So. Well, it comes back to it, this. This is my spoiler alerts coming in here, but it's, it comes back to the 1990s Agenda 21 thing where they really wanted to control everything. That's why we're seeing this massive influx of uh, shortages. Like they're like the now they're supposedly saying that the the, the bird flu hit the American shores. Now there've been there's there's been 18 different processing plants that have burnt down. Uh, there's a lot of there's there's a lot of propaganda talking about um, the the food shortages and stuff like that and it's like well they're they're creating the problem because they already have the solution they already know what they're going to exactly. do exactly oh yeah and so exactly. and then now the now the ministry of truth i mean the department of homeland security has created their own ministry of truth now so they're going to they're going to they're going to call what's deemed misinformation now so it's like wow so when did 1984 become a non-fiction yeah well, i can tell you now with the food shortage i'm i'm not going to starve i can promise you that so yeah the only downside is that they like People like the one, the people that let's say live in town, they're says like, well, if the food shows, I'm going to go out and hunt and start hunting and fishing. It's like, but people, they, you don't think these people have thought about all the things that people are going to do. You know? Oh yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. and eventually they're going to tell us that, that 
or uh, growing your own food is unsafe. So now we can only get sort of stuff through CRISPR. This is that's what I'm afraid of is that we're going to start seeing a lot more rhetoric regarding. I think CWD was their first attempt, but there's yeah. no transfers from hu- from animal to human unless they unless they specifically modify the the protein to actually jump from animal to human. And I think like the CWD is just a byproduct of the animals, like because we had that small period in time after the war, after the Civil War, we had market hunting that depleted the numbers beyond belief, and now we're having stuff that's now we're now we're starting to see these numbers like we're we're now considered the good old days of our hunting, you know. So that's you because of our grandparents and our dads, you and I get to reap the rewards of their fruit of their of their of their struggle. That's what we. That's what we have to be patient about and stuff. But the good thing is that we're more and more people are hunting, more and more people are fishing. So, but it's like we need to get those those numbers back into the twenties, the thirties, the forty million people. So this way, then it's like it still set still reigns home that this is still part of our culture. Exactly, I, I agree with that a thousand percent. I I beg these young kids. I mean, you know, it's sad, man. Twenty twenty two. You know. The technology we have now, you know, I remember when I grew up, you come in when the street light come on, mm-hmm. you, you stayed outside. And then, like I said, man, I, I, I really appreciate my dad, you know, I mean, just for showing me the way of the outdoors. And, you know, because, I mean, there might be a time comes, you know, I hate to say it. You, you might have to depend on a lot of these things that we've taken in over the years, you know, as outdoorsmen as well. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I encourage everybody listening to this. Like, I don't care if you're 80 years old it's not too late to start. I mean, get into it, learn how to do it. Oh yeah. I've, I've noticed since 2019, there's been an uptick in the old ways, like learning how to make your own bread, mm-hmm. meaning learning how to make your own medicines because people are starting to wake up about what JD Rockefeller did and the Carnegie's did back in the 1913s when they started giving all of these uh, universities a bunch of money, then they were, then they, then they've got their own people and they started manipulating folks to getting them back onto a more um, uh, herbal because I have to. I should actually dig, do a deep dive into pharmacy, but it's the, the the Greek translations to cat spells or something like that. And there's always a yin and the yang to it, you know. And I don't know if you watched um, Watch the Waters. It's a new documentary that came out here two weeks ago, three weeks ago. I haven't looked into it. I have to. What What is it about? I have to look at. Look so into what it, What it is is it, it, it is a discussion about the guy. There's a there's a there's a guy from France that discovered that there that the the COVID vaccine has uh, properties of two different types of snakes, poisonous snakes. One was the king cobra, and then one was the uh, crisp. I can't remember the actual breed of it, but because there's two different um, toxins that one that shuts down your your uh, your immune system and the one that goes after your, your livers or your, your organs or not your immune system, but your, your, um, uh, your chest, your brain, bronchial or whatever you, whatever controls your breathing and stuff like that. And they found that and the reason why they discovered that was from a guy from France, but he was going to take his, his studies from, uh, to public, but he got Epstein or got Clinton or, or however you want to say it. And then, then there's also people out in Arizona, since they do with a lot of rattlesnakes, they also discovered some of these proteins that are inside Iver or uh, um, not ivermectin, but um, resdesimir. It's their it's the the clinical uh, name for the the poison, the jab. And then what was it? Uh, Obama just said that they they were able to get millions of people to do the the human testing of the of the of the of the, of the jab. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll have to look into that. I haven't mm-hmm. seen that yet. I'll definitely. Is it on Netflix? I'm, I'm assuming. No, God, no. Oh, no. They're too left wing. They're too deep state. Oh. So they're not gonna have. I, I had. A, I found it from BitChute. I have the link still. I'll send it to you. But it's okay, only forty-seven yeah, minutes long, and it's really, really well done in the way they organize the whole thing. It's just. Mm-hmm. It makes sense of what's going on here, and like how they predict a. Uh, they're they're what the how they predict a increase of cases is based off of a certain byproduct in your stool. And so they actually have a private contracting company that's, that stays at the sanitary, or the, uh, um, what do they call those places? The sanitary, not sanatoriums, but the, uh, deal with all the human waste. What's that called? Water treatment plants. That's how they, that's how they yeah. figured it all out. That's crazy. Yeah, one of one of this someone went to the one of the things they discuss in in the documentary is that they went through and did a thesaurus about it all, and they talk about COVID and and uh, uh, what was the other thing nineteen? Well, there's a couple of things they went through and they talk about it. like one of one of the the names of it is like they broke down co and vid and like they broke down all the way down to the Greek standard or there, and they did they went forward with it and one of the, one of the translation was Pope's venom. Was one of them. So that really stuck out to me because uh, the Pope is really big and pushing this too as well. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's all crazy. I I don't know what to believe anymore with these these people talking about this stuff. Well, that's a that's a the unique thing is that we that with the history has told us if you if you listen to the people that's getting the most amount of hate or they're trying to be discredited, that's usually the ones that are telling the truth because people that don't like the truth are going to try to dismantle the truth and try to fud it as much as they possibly can. Uh, Obama did a, a speaking engagement at Stanford University where he says if you're able to fud the uh, the flood, the town square with a mu- enough information where they don't know what to believe, you pretty much got it in the bag. That's why we have this current division and stuff like that. Well, but I don't really think there's a division because I've seen there's a, a big transition because what's all going on and all the manipulation and like the, the quote that really reigns true to me from Joe Rogan says that he quoted from Donald Trump. They're not after me. They're after you. And it's kind of just makes sense and how it all falls into play. Exactly. Now, because getting back to our, getting back to the kids and getting them all out, you have a big family yourself. You, you were mentioned in the beginning, you have six kids. Yeah, I do. I do. Yep. Three boys and three girls. Congratulations. I appreciate it. So then how, what, so you get what you said, one's 11 and what are what about the age? What's the age range? So it's about two years apart, to be honest. Uh, Eleven. Uh, let's see, ten. No, nine. Uh, I got so many. You know, I have to sit here and think about them. Uh, six, and then I have a four-year-old and a one-year-old. So, yeah. Wow, and this is all with your current girlfriend, or? Well, actually, uh, with my. Uh, previous relationship my ex-wife actually so okay yeah, yeah, it, yeah. you know it's it's these days now when when people say their ex-wife they want to divorce it's either congratulations i'm sorry but everybody <laughs> talking to it say it's been a more of a congratulations situation yeah exactly but that's so that's awesome that they have that many kids it, it, it is a blessing in disguise because it's like you're always working for something more you always have to you always have kids pushing you and it's it's amazing what it does and like on how you get to manage your time because you're 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 more focused on the now because of the age range of your kids exactly and watching what my my, what my oldest son's doing and i look at it like man that that was me at that age that was exactly how i was so it's pretty it's pretty neat to see how it all plays out you said he's had a really good season so far. Tell us about his season. 
Well, I'm gonna tell you right now. He's had he's had better seasons than most grown men have probably ever had. He's uh he's actually ranked fifth in the state of North Carolina with the biggest bird as a youth. He killed a four bearded bird last year with 27 inches of beard. Wow, that's a yep. big beard. Four yep, of I caught. Yep, I caught it in. Uh, I think it was uh third week of our season in North Carolina, and uh, yep, didn't even know he had four beards. Thought he just had one until I got down there, and it was 27 inches and all. I think the uh the DNR come out and they scored him, and I think he scored a, like close to. A, I think it was over a hundred and something at the NWTF or whatever, but he's getting a full body mount. It's at the taxidermist right now, but he killed, he has killed four this year. He killed a triple beard open a day youth in South Carolina. Uh, he killed, he killed, uh, he killed a Jake with me. I called it in for him. And then we both doubled up on long beards in South Carolina. So, and then he tagged out in North Carolina. So he, he had a good, he had a good start. He had a real good start. Yeah, he did. I'd say, but a lot of that comes down to your credit. Like it's just because of all the struggles you've done and all, and, and all the, the hard work you put in. It's just now it's like, it's, it's going to instill these memories to last him a lifetime. Cause when 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 he's in the when he is in the uh, old folks home the retirement home he'll be talking about when he was ten years old with his dad. Yeah, exactly. I I, I got actually a video. I don't did I send you the video of him killing his his last one? I don't believe so. Let me double I have a, check. I got so, it all on video actually. So I know you've sent you've sent me a lot of good a lot of good pictures of your guys' this season here. Yeah. Let's see here. I may have not. I'll have to send it to you tonight. It's it's pretty it's pretty it's pretty wild. It's only like thirty something seconds. I actually got caught with my head down. Uh he uh he actually told me not to move. I didn't even see the bird coming in. And he shot and he killed him. <laughs> you look see it's like you gotta love that the attention span. No, you did not send me the video, but you sent me like what the uh oh let's see here. You got the one with the, the gentleman from Indiana with Wendell, and you got your son's bird. But it, it's like the the head's down on the ground, so I don't know if that's a triple beard or not. That was the one you sent to me. When did you send me this one? Let's see. Got my phone right here as well. I'll go here and look. Uh, yeah, because you're so far five for five. Well, that was back <coughs> when. Uh, when was that message? Let's see. Uh, I think the very first one I sent you with him holding it on his back, me and him sitting together, that was the triple beard he killed. Okay. All right, then. Yeah. That was that was the first bird that we – that's the one we started off with in South Carolina on Youth Day. So, now, are triple and quadruple beards common thing out there in your neck of the woods? Because out here in Wisconsin, the Midwest, I've, I've heard doubles, but not well, triples or quadruple bird beards on a bird. Well, I'll be honest. I killed my actual first four bearded bird the other day, uh, South Carolina. I tagged out on my first four bearded bird and I've been doing this since I was 18. So it's very, very rare that you kill triple and quadruple bearded birds. Really? You, like, oh, okay. Yes. Yes. Very weird. I mean, I, my son, you know, he's, he's killed a couple, you know, double bearded and then he killed a triple beard. He killed a quadruple beard. And then I'm in the background back here. Like I can't even kill one with a double beard. And I actually ended up doing it on my last tag in South Carolina. I went down there and he had four beards on him. I said, man, I said, imagine that. I said, my son killed last year, four beard. I said, I killed a four bearded this year. So it's, it's very wild. I mean, you just, we don't see it much around here. I mean, honestly, 
it's it's a blessing if you kill a one with three beards here, even a double bearded bird here. Yeah. So what are you gonna do with yours? Are you gonna do a full full body, or are you just gonna do the fan, the wings, and that's it? I'll probably just do the. I got the tail and everything. I uh got it salted and hung up. I take clothes hangers and hang my fans up, mm-hmm. and it keeps them. Once it dries up, it keeps it in that position. Most people use cardboard and staple, but I usually take my spurs and I'll cut them. I'll cut them at the uh. I'll cut them like a square, like and then take a drill bit and drill holes in them and make a necklace out of it. So I like to try to keep my spurs all on the necklace and. I take my bullets and I always write the date that I killed and the time. And I got a little book I keep as well. I chart everything down on it as well. So I can look back maybe 15 years from now and show my son, this is what you did on this day. And, you know, things like that, you know, because you, you, it's, it's nice to have things like that. When, like you said, when you get older, even when I get older, I can look back and say, man, I remember that day, you know, in 2022 or 2021, he killed a four bearded at this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's nice because growing up in a child of the eighties and nineties, like we didn't have my dad didn't we didn't really take a whole lot of pictures. So now when I go out fishing with my dad, I take a lot of pictures. I try to take as many as I possibly can. So it's just not only for me, but for others and and for my daughter too as well. She's she didn't get the hunt bug at least not yet. I mean, I did. Uh, I, I keep on I keep it in her life, but it's something I don't push on her. So maybe she'll get interested in it or something like that, or maybe I'll get lucky and she finds a guy that she's interested in and go from there. So, but that's still decade off away, but it's one of those things where it's the kind of play from there, but she does like her fishing though. I mean, I, I got her, I've, I've been upgrading her fishing poles, got her tackle box and going from there and it got her open face and she still has her princess one because it, it catches fish. So why not keep it? Exactly. That's, that's, uh, that's pretty nice. Like I said, my, but with my son, uh, I never pushed him once. I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, he's been from the time he was able to walk. I mean, four and five years old, it was, it was game on. And he killed his first deer when he was seven. He killed his first turkey when he was seven. So it was pretty, it's pretty wild. That is pretty cool. And then did you give him the same 243 that you used? Actually, uh, I gave, I had the same model. I didn't have, I didn't give him the same one as I, I did, but I, I gave him the same exact model as mine. I had to cut. I had to cut the actual butt stock down for him, mm-hmm. and I had to put the uh, the butt of the stock back on. But uh, he killed it with a single shot to a uh, uh, New England firearm. He killed one of the same exact one that I had, and uh, he actually shoots a two seventy now. He shoots my my two seventy. I gave him mine, so I got wrote on the side of it. You'll see it on my Instagram. It says hashtag send it, and, and he likes to send it. So. <laughs> that's awesome that's so cool though it's like to be able to do that like uh i don't like uh, my dad i got i've so far he's 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 uh given me his 1100 that i used for for deer and and it's a 12 gauge then he's got three muzzleloaders he doesn't hunt anymore muzzle i don't i i don't hunt muzzleloader but it's like it's like it wouldn't be a big deal for me to do it because he's, he's got really good he's got uh He's got one muzzleloader he shot so many deer with because he did he did he didn't go individually hunting he always did the party hunting and during uh, uh, Christmas time in Iowa and such that's the only time he did it but he was never really a big hunter he didn't get into hunting until after his friends did and and most of the time I ever went fit hunting and some of that was we we I mean, I'd go to hunt but we'd always for small game when it came down to, for whitetail and such it was one I I don't know I just I guess I never really expressed enough interest into going hunting but I never again I never was invited to go. So yeah. I guess it's just, but also it's like being in school and sports and, and it's just one of those things where it's never, never worked together. But now it's like, I spend as much time as I possibly can to go, go fish. And so 
I, I, I don't, I, uh, I appreciate those who get to kids spend time out in the woods with their kids or with their dad at hunting. Cause something that, um, I don't, I don't have that memory, but I do get to enjoy like for, for deer hunting, everything else. Like he's, he's my idol when it comes down for shooting birds. I mean, he's just a crack shot Has some of the worst eyesight you'll ever know, but boy, he, it, it burnt in the eighties when he would actually go out and do trap shooting, he would have trophies of first, second, third, fourth places for for him doing a two man or a four man team because they used to they used to treat skeet shooting like bowling like bowling leagues and stuff like that now it's like in his in his home area they've actually put a whole bunch of money into this really nice area and uh the the community sent multiple kids to state for skeet shooting too like they're talking 49 out of 50 shoot are hits so they're really produce really good kids yeah that's that's pretty that's that's pretty good 49 out of 50 <laughs> Yeah, they, and uh, that's for well, I think that was one of the kids here a couple of years ago. It's just one of those things where they're they're still trying to fight. Well, the nice thing is I was very uh, very uh, conservative when it comes down to hunting and guns, some of that because they're one of the what one of the twenty five or twenty six states that are have constitutional carry. But now the Biden administration is trying to put in some some law to circumvent that to to allow um, the ATF to deputize and to avoid to avoid um, to go around the two-way sanctuary laws that they're passing. So it's like, Jesus, like we just cannot win with the deep state here. Yeah, I know. It's Biden. You can't win with him anyways. Well, see, the thing is, he's just a puppet. He's not the real person that's doing it. I think it's um, Arthur Miller is the person that's act- is actually as his actor. He's acting as Biden because from seven, 2018, 2019, when you could see that Biden's earlobes were de- were detached, even all the way back in the 70s, now all of a sudden they're attached. He's like you, he's either a clone or somebody's an actor playing him. <laughs> so it's like, you, you, so it's like the science fiction that we used to think that you could never happen. It's like, well, it's actually onto something because the 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 Department of Homeland or the Department of De- Defense they have their own uh, department that deals with movies. Like they actually read scripts to let, to let them know what they can go through and what they're not. So it's like sometimes it's like, well, are, are they telling us something that we? don't know about that we should know about or is this their way of telling us type of exactly. thing i've always found that like the what evil like this current evil regime it's like they 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 do what they do to get permission and if we don't push back it's the, it's our way of telling them, you can go ahead and do it and i think that's why mm-hmm. we're so distracted but uh exactly. there was somebody that made a really good good observation i can't remember the guy's name but he said that the, the populate the united the, the world's population is so ingrained in the current system that they don't, that they're, that they don't, they'll, they'll fight tooth and nail to keep it. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's, it's like slavery in in a successful form. And we're the 10% trying to wake up the 90%, but it's never going to happen. No, you're never going to do that. Exactly. No. No, it's like, we just have to, the worst part is, is like, we, I feel bad for our kids because the ones that are awake, that are paying attention to stuff, those kids are going to wake up. But the worst part is they're going to have a rougher time because our our great grandfathers came through hard times, and their hard men or hard times created them, those guys to be hard times, and they created good times. Then that was our our, our parents' mode, and now we're here. We're we're now uh, the good uh, weak men have created bad times. Exactly, we're, just, we're, we're on the cusp of it. Yeah, I'm scared to see uh, what turns out in the next twenty years when my kids are my age. So, well, shoot, what was it? Marilyn Pat is passing uh, uh, literature. Or um, what's some real literature, but um, 
laws that allow women to kill their babies seven days after they're born. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, California's trying to do the same thing too. Pretty much any deep blue state, they're trying to be able to pass these uh, these uh, outrageous abortion laws where they can That's kill them. But but it's a weird thing though. It's like if you and I hit a pregnant woman in either one of the states, it's double homicide. Yeah, exactly. But they can go. They can do the same thing though, and it's it's okay. Yeah, it's it's this 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 genderless society and this lack of value of life that Margaret Sanger started back in the in the early 1900s is just absolutely horrible. At what we've we've, de- we've depleted our society. Yep. But what do you got planned for this upcoming season, man? I'm a kind of like because you got you got some got some property here. So like, what do you got going? You told me that you do like to plot food plots, but do you have anything in store? Do you do any hinge cutting or? What oh yeah. Do you, what do you have on your What do you have up your sleeve this year? Well, uh, I've I've got a couple deer that I that I passed up on last year that I'm hoping and praying that they made it through the season. But uh, I'll go in probably like I said. I usually do all my stuff after you know after turkey season. I use I used to, I try to wait June July because I like to go do all my trimming then. But you know, as far as my cutting, like I said, shooting like I try to wait them a little bit later because, you know, it gets so hot here and then the rain, you know, it grows back up like crazy. So, but no, I'll go in and uh, I'll check all my stands, my ratchet straps, you know, if anything needs to be replaced, I go ahead and replace them early. So I'm, I'm in and out. And then, uh, like I said, it, it gets so hot here. We have to go in about 630 in the morning, right at daylight, you know, do what you got to do. Try to be out by 830, 9 o'clock. And, you know, if stands need to be done i, I do that i'm you know i might i might find another place i like to, to, to hang a stand or put a ladder stand i'll go in there and do that you know pick a weekend to do that do all my trim i always try to get all my trimming done early i don't like to do anything after july or august i, I try to stay out of there as much as i can i mean of course going to check my cameras I, I don't check my cameras i check them every seven days i'm superstitious i don't i'm not these ones that go in there every two days i, I don't believe in that I, i'll go on a sunday and i'm going back the following sunday so Mm-hmm. I don't like to leave nothing on the ground. I, I always say it though. I tell everybody, you you can fool a deer, but man, that that's his home. That's his house. That's like you go to our house. You move that deer head behind you. You know what's going on. I go in there. Mm-hmm. I cut that big poplar tree down. That deer ain't dumb. He he knew somebody come in there and move that out of the way. Yeah, and I, I have a lot. I have a lot. I have a lot of my sleeve though for for this year. I've got two bucks that I'm praying. I'm praying they show back up. I had a I had a giant seven on camera and a very nice eleven on camera, and that is my goal this year, is to hopefully June July I'll know which ones they are. So I've been watching during turkey season. I've I've been looking at them and seeing if I can get a get a get a notice on them because you know some of them you know you can pay attention you know that their ear their ear might be ripped and you know I'll, I'll name that deer or I'll figure him out. But I've seen I've seen one good one. The other day on a piece of property, he's got some good knots on his head, so I'm hoping and praying he's one of the shooters that uh that I had last year. I just never could get an encounter with him. Is that the truth, man? This I was I was last Friday went out to found a spot that has uh, a body of water on it. It's like I don't know if anybody's ever fished it, so I was like, well, I'll walk out. I mean, my buddy went out there and fished it and didn't get any activity, but it was raining too, so I wasn't quite sure of it. Actually, the only thing we ended up finding is we ended up seeing four deer and we brought back uh, four ticks. I, I pulled two off the back of my neck and he pulled one off his clothes and one managed to crawl away to his girlfriend on, on my couch. Cause we, I also record a podcast as well on, on Friday nights and that's called uh, the after dark. And that actually gets streamed live and that's it. There's no audio. It's only video on YouTube. And yep. uh, we were, we, we, we weren't able to record two weeks ago because we mentioned the, the, the 2020 E 
and uh, the deep state didn't like that, so they pulled our video. Oh wow! We we pulled the we pulled the Wisconsin Assembly and how they pulled their 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 electoral votes. So yeah, they 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 didn't like the truth. Either, nah, so they don't like the truth. That's that's the truth. So yeah, no, um, no. Do do how do you document then? Do do you uh, write out journals or do you just document your phone like what you've seen where or do you use Onyx to like to, to document like your how many steps to X and or where do you see Y? Where do you see this DR? Do you doing that type of stuff? Basically, I'll be honest. I do a lot of stuff, you know, like you said, on my phone, you know, I'll, I'll keep, you know, a lot of, like, you know, say a hunt stand app or something like that as well. But a lot of my stuff I go by is off that trail camera. I mean, I know it's not the right way to do it, live, live by them because, you know, sometimes they will, they will fool you, you know, but I do, I do do a lot of my stuff off about 90%, but, uh, but I'm one of those ones too. I don't just put a camera over a bait pile. I'll put it on a trail, maybe three or 400 yards. I'll catch that deer. You know, he might be he might be staged up down there at seven o'clock in the afternoon and might not be coming to my corn pile at seven forty five. So then I you know, I got a whereabouts. Okay, well I know I need to be in here at this time. He's gonna be here, you know, seven forty five right at dark, you know. But then if I gotta move another three hundred yards below him, I know I'm gonna catch him in that thirty, thirty five minute window and I got a better t- chance to shoot him at daylight, you know. So there's a lot of stuff I do that, you know, most people won't go to extreme and do and I pay attention to the woods and I document a lot of things in my phone as well. So the times, you know, then when, when the, you know, our time gets changed back, you know, it, it affects them, I think, you know, so there's a lot of different things that I do that, you know, it, it helps me. I think like, especially, especially from June, I really get into it starting June to August. I really start taking down notes and I watch their patterns. And then of course the food pattern, then the acorns come drop in September and when they start dropping, I like to be in the hardwoods because acorns is that's that's the best thing to hunt over, I believe. So, yeah, I've I've had acorns. Uh, one of my properties used to hunt in Minnesota. They had a, a plethora of acorn trees, and if if we had a good year, good wet year, I wouldn't see deer. I would get fucked by them every single time. I had to, yeah. I had to pretty much wait until there's snow on the ground to get them to walk by where I'm sit where I'm at because they'd be on a different piece of uh, private land I didn't have permission for. So, you know, it, it's good that they're getting the nutrients they want because they have, I, I'll, I'll have to send you some of my old pictures from 2016, 2017, 2018 from some of the big racks, some of that. But uh, yeah, those have been a couple of years where I've been completely shut down because of the, the amount of food that's readily available for them, which I can't fault them for it because it's like, go for it. It's less money that I had to pay, but I've, I don't know about you, but I've slowly been upgrading, moving to cellular cams. So that's why I spend less. So that's why I don't disturb their, their sanctuary. So where my tree stands are at, that's where I, I put them up, but I put them up high. I put them up right where the tree stands are. Or if, if I know where I'm, where I'm going to be setting in a public land, um, I'll, I'll get up and they'll, I will, um, get, what I'll do is I'll tape off the lenses or the infrareds and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll yeah. use that spray adhesive and then just crumple up some, some dirt and some bark and some leaves to create a camouflage on them. So this way then I can mount them up higher up in the trees. So this way, if somebody's walking on public land, they're not going to see it right away. Exactly. So I've had some pretty good luck of not having any cameras come missing, but that's what I've, I've learned to do, especially the older ones, because if I, if I know where I'm going to set right in that area, but if I can get, if I can put it on that trail and if like, if I know they're walking by X, well, if I am another 30, 40 yards down by Y, I can hopefully intersect them. Or at least exactly. be someplace off of that trail, because my goal this, is not to be on the trail, but someplace 
north or south of it, but also playing the wind too. But man, driftless country or doing it now? Do you hunt uh, in Appalachian, like in the mountains or hills, or do you? Or is it mostly flatland where you hunt? Uh, it's 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 not. I wouldn't say hills. I mean, I don't know what y'all would call hills, you know, because you know it's it's not the Appalachian. I mean, it's more or less like I I would say more or less like farm country, you know. A lot of it's wide open, you know, cow pastures, and then you got your regular, you know, timber, hardwoods, and things like that. And you know, we got we got nice little creek bottoms and ridges, but our ridges ain't the kind of ridges that like Alabama has where they're going to kill you trying to walk up the hill. But it, it's it's not bad terrain at all. I, I wouldn't say so. All right, because here in the Wisconsin, we have we have what we call the driftless reach, driftless area. If you watch Steve Ranella, it's it's often referred to it because we have these really weird valleys where when the when the glaciers came through and they cut everything about oh, eleven thousand two hundred years ago, we have these really deep cuts into the ground in which we call our our, our driftless area because the bluffs. And so, like here in La Crosse. We can't expand east or west. It's only north and south along the Mississippi and along the the bluffs. And we just work around the runoff and the swamps and stuff like that. But sometimes the uh, wind can you could you could be watching it, paying attention until you, when you get out there, you sit down, and all of a sudden the wind sh- shifts on you. I've used I've like I've gra- I've graduated to using this this uh, scent control called Deception. They're they have a way of eliminating the smell and. What sold me on it was that I was running to Chris Barnett, which is going to be in the podcast uh, down the road here, closer toward hunting season. And he talked to me about what I was currently using, and he and, he, and I was using um, a nose jammer. So he takes yep. some nose jammer, he throws it in a, in a, in a cup, and then he sprays deception sm- spray in it, and it eliminates the incomplete smell. It's the same thing for deer urine, too. You can't smell it at all. It just completely yeah, eliminates I've- it. I've heard of that stuff. Uh, I went to a uh, I went to a hunting show and they had that same stuff there. They put alcohol, they sprayed the hand sanitizer in a cup, and they okay. put that stuff on top of that cup, and you could not smell that hand sanitizer. I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. It was very, very, very good stuff. Yeah, and like the like you, you when I learned about them, it's like they they got their break big break with going in and, and coming up with the technology to clean out the the fumes and gas and nitro smell from monster truck rallies they would come in and clean all that up They'd clean up um food uh, venues and stuff like that but also they would they also have the, a contract with coors brewing company there in golden colorado that, that that their chemical is what they use what they spray in the bottles to eliminate all smell in order to deliver that quality beer that people like when they drink coors or banquet or anything like that yeah if i want to drink water I- i'll just drink water i chip i st- i like my whiskey yeah I, I i'm not a big beer drinker I, I i drink more like you said whiskey but yeah I, I take my scent elimination i'm about like how wendell said on his podcast to the extreme so i like to i i keep a tote actually it has all my stuff in it right now as we speak but i i go to the extreme of washing mine and i'll leave that tote in my truck i i wear like basketball shorts i will not wear my hunting boots or nothing and when I get there, I change into my hunting clothes at the private spot I'm at. Like, I'll get out, change into what I'm going to wear, spray down extra. I'll drive back to where I'm going. I'll get off, spray down again. I get in the stand, I spray down again. And then that's when I know I'm ready. So that's yeah. the biggest thing, man, fooling their nose. See, I used to do the same thing when I was hunting on private. That's what I do. I would, I would 
drive out there in normal clothes or like the clothes that I can put underneath my hunting clothes, then change exactly. everything. Now it's like, well, that's someone private. I, I, they're public. I will drive everything out there, but I use that deception smell. I spray down the cab of my truck and it seems to be doing a pretty good job. And I haven't busted yet. I've had um, some very last year was a lot of fun experiences, especially set with the ground, with the, the ghost bone, with that mirror. I had a six pointer see himself in the mirror and freak himself out. That would be nice. I, I've seen a lot of videos of them ghost blinds. It's, it's with the it's, yeah, it's with the mirror image, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah it's with the mirror exactly. image. It, it, yeah. it just it just takes uh, it doesn't take long to set them up. It's pretty quick. Uh, it's not lightweight. That's the downside. But it's it's one of those things where I didn't know about Newcomb uh, ground blinds until after I ran to Pat Newcomb at uh, the the open season expo there in the, in the Dells and they got a really sweet system. That's two and a half pounds breaks down with some collapsible poles and it, their current model sustains um, a three quarter chair. Um, it's ideal for shotgun and crossbow. You do bow out of it too. You just gotta, you gotta practice a lot with it. So this way then you've got clearance, the cams and such uh, they are released. They're, they have their development of a, a new blind that's supposed to be a little bit taller but with the same concept. So I'm, I'm, I'll see what they come with that. But right now I'm digging it because my ghost blind is big enough for me and my wife to set behind. So, and she's not, a, she's not a, a tree stand person. So that was the trade-off. So it's like, well, I'll get a nice blind for the two of us that we can both set behind. Exactly. Being comfortable is the key as well, too. Exactly. Those tri, those, those, uh, trifolds chairs are not the most comfortable for after about six to eight hours, but you know, you're only doing it for a short point of time in your life during this, during the year, you might as well maximize it. Cause you never know when you're going to be able to put your put, get yourself in the right situation. Cause my goal is still this year to get her in front of a deer. I upgraded her equipment this year. I got her uh, a, a four X magnifier. So it works perfectly with her glasses and her, and her, she's much more confident behind the release now than she once was. I got one for mine too. And I'm shooting like I was back in my, uh, 10 years ago. So I'm really happy about that upgrade. That's awesome. Yeah. Cause it's like you, as you get older and the more you stare in front of a computer screen and your cell phone, it hurts your eyes. It oh really yeah. Does. I agree. I agree. So it's all about taking care of. It. And the cool thing is like here in Wisconsin, they're perfectly legal. I mean, when I, before I even bought it, I just, I went to the, the, the digital PDF and I typed in every version of scope magnifiers into it and nothing popped back where I can't use it. So I'm sure there's probably some places out West that you can't use it, but at least for where I hunt primarily, it is legal, which That's is, which is weird that some States won't allow you to have it just because it's like, doesn't it improve the efficacy of the hunt? Cause you want the hunter to to retrieve the ammo, but, but it's all about that. The anti hunters that are made it into office and the, who's paying the, who's paying the, uh, the politicians too. So that plays a big role. Yeah, I agree, man. So I'm looking forward to seeing what you come up with. Now, do you, uh, and you said you got your, you got windows hunt coming up May 11th, right? Uh, I'll be leaving North Carolina. Uh, yeah. I'll be leaving. I'll be leaving here. The 12th. Okay. The 12th. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, so I'm hoping to be in the woods that Friday morning. I think Wendell is going to be off of uh, work that whole weekend, so we're going to hit it hard at least for two and a half days. So I'm Perfect. hoping we can get it done there. I hope you guys do too, man. I'm I'm looking forward to you. You've, you've had a really good, strong string of success, and and like uh, with um, Wendell's with his passing of his mom. I mean, you've been a really good friend for him, and having these little wins for him are just it's just going to help him with the whole process of, of grieving and moving and, and just 
finding passion again in life because losing a significant loved one like that, a, a matriarch can be t- devastating to anybody. Oh, I agree. And like I said, Wendell is a, he's a damn good friend. I will, I will say that, 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 and he is a very, he's, he's got the name solo hardcore hunter for a reason. Cause he, he is a hardcore hunter. I will give him that. He hung with me and I was very, very impressed when they come down here. Cause when I, when I hit the woods, he'll tell you I'm, I'm wide open. I, I don't stop. I, if I put my mind to it, I'm gone, and 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 I, that was my goal. I, I wanted both of them to kill, and like I said, we we had a we had a kill and a miss, so it was fifty fifty. So I I think it turned out pretty good. Like I said, the Josh guy got his first bird, so yeah, that's Wendell, a big win right there. That, yes, getting that your was, first that, bird is is a big win, especially for anybody, even for you, man. Like he'll he'll never forget that experience. Yeah, we still stay in touch. Me and him do. He actually uh. I called him probably a week and a half ago and I checked on him to see how he was doing. And uh, he had smoked the turkey that he had killed and it looked really, really good. <laughs> so I think he's hooked now. So that, that's another thing I said. And he's, and I think he's in his 40s, man. I mean, that's what I was saying. It's not too late to start doing what you want to do. Mm-hmm. So that's perfectly the right attitude. And you, you, you got the right attitude for all your kids to let them know it's like you, there's, there's nothing stopping you, nothing holding you back. Yeah, exactly. Like you, you mentioned earlier, you're not going to push your kids. And, you know, I don't push mine. I don't, you know, I'm not going to be that father that makes them, you know, say, hey, you got to go do this. No, when you're ready to do this, you say, dad, I'm ready to go. Hey, we're going. That's like my son now. I never pushed him to go hunting. I never pushed him to, you know, I'm not going to do that. And my dad didn't do me like that. So, you know, when they say they're ready, hey, then I'm, I'll am i be there and I'll be ready to show them how to do it. And hopefully they'll, they'll keep it going like my grandpa kept it going and my dad's done it and I've done it. So hopefully we can keep it going. Yeah, and Josh, I had no idea that uh, doing that 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 scratching with the leaves and stuff on the ground, like what you did with your bird, like I had no idea that's that's something you should do. I had no idea that's something new that I never knew about. So when if I'm out, if uh, I get a, well, won't be this season, but this fall, if I'm happen to be sitting on the ground and I got some turkeys in the way, I'll 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 try to use that leaf technique and see if I can get them to come walking on over for me because. Where I hunt, the, where I consistently hunt for deer hunting, I'm going to make sure I have a turkey tag in my uh, backpack because I can hunt turkeys all the way up until the end of the same, almost the end of uh, whitetail season here in the region I hunt in. Yeah, so we don't we don't have a fall season here, so we get spring and that's it. Oh, so that's why you're able to shoot a Jake then. See, yep. in the fall here, you can shoot a Jake and a Tom, but in the f- spring, you can hit, you can hunt a bearded bird essentially yeah, so here, yeah you can you can kill a beard you can kill a bearded hen here mm-hmm. so as long as as long as it's a bearded bird it's a legal bird so that's okay. another good thing yeah so that's that's another good thing like my buddy uh i actually had a guy last year he was having a rough season and uh i actually got him on a couple birds and he actually killed a bearded hen with a seven inch beard it's pretty it's pretty gnarly that's the first time i had ever seen i've seen the bearded hens but i've never got to actually kill one he could he shot one with me it was pretty nice yeah, there's a there's a guy that, that runs the Frag Out Frag podcast. He's a ex military, and he shot himself a a bearded uh, uh, hen, beard Jake this 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 year. And so yeah. he's gonna he's gonna do something simple with the mount with it. And I told I told him it's like too. It's like if I shot one, I'd probably do something fun with it. But otherwise, I just probably wouldn't do much more than that. I, he's I think I'm not sure if he's gonna do a full mount or not, but he's going to uh, do something with it because what's the what's the luck of shooting another one? Exactly. That's that's what I told my son with his his four bearded bird. I was like, man, that's that's one has to go to the taxidermist. It has to because I I don't know if I'll ever see it again. I would love to see it again, but 
that's the things you hear of every once in a while is, you know, somebody killing a four bearded bird, but watching your own kid do it, you're like, wow, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of, it's, it's amazing. So I definitely, that, that'll be one right there that I will never forget is that, that hunt right there. Just, awesome. just seeing, just seeing him shoot that bird. So, so, uh, Josh, are you, are you thinking about doing a YouTube channel? Cause it's like you get out in front of a lot of animals quite frequently. Well, uh, I'm going to start recording this deer season. I'm getting me a camera and, uh, I was going to try to do it this year, but man, I just had a lot of things going on that, you know, and I'm, you know, my budget wasn't quite where it needed to be. So I'm going to, I'm going to save some money before September. And, uh, I got all my stuff, you know, for deer season. So, you know, I'm looking at buying like, you know, I'd like to buy a decent Nikon or something like that. And, uh, start start definitely getting into recording during deer season because i i could get a ton of footage in deer season i mean I, mm-hmm. it's the private spots that we have it's just loaded with deer i mean you're not there 10 minutes and they're walking around you so i know i could get some killer footage with that and then you know not even it ain't even about me killing you know just i'd like to just get several hours of footage and show what i do and how i do it so perfect and hey don't forget about like looking at uh, trail cameras as an asset too as well gopros there's a there's I think there's six different gens in the market now, so you could probably pick one up used for fairly reasonable. Uh, tactic cams, there's tons of those yeah. around, so if you can put one of those on your bow or your barrel of your gun. So there, there's nice things, a lot of different ways to fit inside your budget. So this way, then when you when you get uh, when the budget changes or you, you get picked up as a sponsorship or somebody wants to give you some money because they like your content, you go from there. Yeah, exactly. That's that's my goal, man. About all this, you know. I love I love to kill, you know, I can do it like everybody else. Say, you know, I love to harvest animals, but I'll be honest, man, I, I get the joy of going and calling for people. Like, that's what makes me happy. Like, you know, yeah, I love to kill big deer. I love to kill turkeys, you know, I love catching fish. But, man, if I can take somebody out there and they kill their first bird or their 10th bird or their 20th deer, man, I'm just tickled to death. Like, I just, it's, it's just an enjoyment watching other people do what they love to do like I love to do. So. Amen, brother. Amen. So, Chris, how can – or excuse me, not Chris, but – Josh, how can people find you? Uh, you can actually get on my Instagram, and you can look me up at uh, let's see, Carter eight twenty one fifty five, and you can add me on there. And I also have a TikTok as well. I don't have Facebook anymore, so uh, let's see. My TikTok name is kind of long. I'm about to go ahead and look at it right quick. Uh, it is Carter eight twenty one ninety on TikTok as well. So. And I have a lot of hunting content on my TikTok. Perfect, man. So the nice thing is I'll be posting this informa- these, 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 this, these tags in the show notes this way. People will find you that way. So, well, man, Josh, thank you for coming on the podcast. I got to pick your brain. I got to learn a lot. I mean, it's like you really showed me the, the simple techniques with bird hunting and then using the whole leaf thing to your advantage. It's like never thought to use that. That was like, that's a, that was like an aha moment for me. Yes, sir. Like I said, you give it a try. And like I said, you know where I'm at if you need any advice. And it goes for anyone listening to this. If you need any advice, just, just, just message me and I'm willing to talk or whatever. So perfect. Appreciate you having me on your show as well. You're welcome, Josh. Thank you for coming on the Bucks of America podcast. Everybody have a great night. Appreciate it.